Hello and welcome to Online and Inspired, a weekly podcast for educators, parents, service providers, and those leading the way in the future of learning. I'm Marissa Rothermel, special education teacher with Teleteachers Inc., and I invite you to join me each week as we meet remarkable individuals, tackling big issues, growing wild new ideas, and bringing endless passion and excitement to the worlds of education and parenting. In our time together each week, we'll talk current events, what is influencing us, what is inspiring us, and celebrate the remarkable work each person brings to the industry. Come laugh, learn, and live inspired with us. We are online and inspired. Sort of. Not, you know, that it's the day of your born that you're born, but that we were celebrating a specific birthday and you were supposed to say something to them and kind of celebrate them. It was evident right from the morning when we woke up. Uh, we did presents pretty early in the day, which she was very happy to help unwrap. But she throughout the day would look at him and say happy. Now, at first, I wasn't sure if it was because she was feeling happy because we were doing special things. We went to a food truck festival. We went out and got a fairly late night slice of cake. And so I wasn't sure if she was labeling her feelings at first. But at night, when it was time to say goodnight, she yelled out the door specifically just to him, happy. And I think that was her way of saying happy birthday. And what a cool new development in a child's life. I thought that was really worth celebrating and sharing today. And I would love to hear what you're doing for Halloween, what your house is looking like for Halloween, and uh, any shareable toddler or slightly older child moments that you've had lately. I'd love to hear and see photos from that. And with that, I'm going to get ready to introduce uh, my guest for this week. Her name is Jamie Monahan, and she's got a whole lot to say about living inspired and the work that she does in education, which is going to be vastly different than what we've talked about in education so far. So stay tuned and let's get her on the show. All right, and welcome to Jamie Monahan, who I am so excited to meet with today because the work that you do is, in my book, unique. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, so I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today because I... I read about you in a news article and I was like, wow, what does this look like? What? Awesome. All right. So let's jump right into it with who are you and what do you do? My name is Jamie Monahan, and I am a woman of many multi hyphens. I am an actor, a director, writer, producer, casting director, and an intimacy director and choreographer. So intimacy direction is for stage and live performance and intimacy choreographer is for film and television. Wow. That is a lot of hats. Uh, <laughs> we definitely want to talk about this intimacy coordination and how you got here. But did you start out as like an actress? What's your background? How did you how did you get to where you are today? You know, before we get to the goods. I started acting professionally when I was nine. And I've been acting ever since, doing anything in the arts, singing, dancing, working off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, working at the Met. I was a dancer at Busch Gardens. I've kind of done a lot of different things. And I've always been interested in film and television and creating your own content. So I started doing that about five years ago. And during the pandemic, I started taking workshops as 
actually just before the pandemic, I started taking workshops in intimacy directing because I wanted to be a better director and I wanted to create safe spaces for actors. I wanted to be a better advocate for actors and marginalized voices. So I started training to make myself a better director. And in the process, I realized that I really enjoyed intimacy, directing and choreographing and working with actors to create safe spaces, but also help them establish their boundaries. There must be a lot of uh, psychology background in this or like having those really important conversations and to create. This is one of the reasons that I thought it was so interesting to have you on the show is in the special education field, we're always talking about creating safe spaces and having those important conversations, particularly with children who have experienced trauma. There's a lot of trust building. There's a lot of knowing who you are in order to be able to help those who need it. And those conversations, I really feel kind of can overlap because it's all about knowing how to create that safe environment. So what kind of training goes into this and how do you have those conversations? Can you give us a peek into what it is you do? Yeah. So I have a lot of variety of training for intimacy. So part of it is the job entails part HR, part choreography, part highly efficient communication skills, whether that's working with the director, the actors, um, conflict resolution training, mental health training, and trauma-informed training. I need to be aware when or recognize when someone is having a trauma response. And if we look at film and television and theater, there's tons of shows that talk about really difficult topics and help us, you know, like as artists and consumers of art, we we need to push the boundaries of what we consume and what we create, but at the same time, making sure that it's a safe environment for everyone involved, including the crew and the people behind the scenes as well. So I got a certification from mental health. It's a mental health first aid training, and I highly recommend this to any educator, parent, Honestly, all humans should take this course. It's a great course in recognizing when someone is having a drug-related response or a trauma response or is having struggling with mental health and then to differentiate and also how to help in those situations. So that was really informative. And I've also done a ton of allyship training and bystander intervention training and conflict resolution training. So I like to think of this job as a huge asset to films or to schools or on theater rehearsals and during the process of theater because it's part HR, part choreography. That's what it comes down to for intimate scenes and intimacy on stage or in films, but also advocacy for artists in general and trying to make the process more collaborative. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's a, you made a very good point about keeping the safety of the crew because you do just like in a classroom where you have a child who struggles loudly, you have to worry about the vicarious traumatization. You know, yeah. there are still the crew who are working to film or, or, or working on set design or whatever. And there's boundary pushing in art because that's where the conversations start. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we consume media. We're listening to people who are listening to this is listening to a podcast. OK, we're going to all learn something from this conversation. 
We've got people who are watching crime dramas. I mean, what's the big Netflix one that everyone's obsessed with right now, which involves a lot of um, scary and unsettling things? You know, there's so much that goes into it. And if you're feeling traumatized or or on the edge of your seat as a consumer, imagine those who had to put the shoes on, put the hat on to go either play those roles or 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 be a victim in those roles. And more and more actors and actresses are speaking out about how these roles have permanently influenced them. So it's amazing to hear this work that you're doing. And are you're doing it on a college level now? Is that correct? Yes. So I'm an adjunct professor at Fairfield University, and I am the first full-time intimacy director for their entire season. So that is really exciting. This role didn't exist when I went to college. I also went to college for acting and it just didn't exist. And I am able to really help the students set up their own boundaries, even have discussions about boundaries and what that means as an artist. And then I'm helping them understand how to work with an intimacy director, also give them tools so that most likely their first projects will not have an intimacy director. So how can they navigate some of their early work without an intimacy coordinator or director, but know how to set those boundaries for themselves as an artist and also the people around them? Yeah. And how important that is. And this is just a whole new avenue of, you know, mental health and, and, and personal safety and uh, that is very new. When yeah. did this idea kind of come to light. I know it's a very new position for you, but I have never heard of this, you know, and I know plenty of the people in the theater world. I've never heard of this kind of training, which was why I was so interested to talk to you. So when did it start and kind of what does your day to day look like in that position? So it officially started or it came about after the Me Too movement, which we had so many actresses and actors coming forward talking about abuse on set, really inappropriate behavior, struggling with the power dynamics of being encouraged never to say no and to just do whatever the director tells you to do or do what the producer tells you to do or else we'll find someone who will do it. So that kind of like fear mentality and then adding the Me Too movement to that, people recognized that there was a real need for someone to be in a position that didn't have the ability to hire and fire and wouldn't be able to punish you if you voiced your concerns or said, I don't wanna do this anymore. I don't feel comfortable doing this. How can we move forward? So the very first intimacy director ever was on the show, The Deuce. And that really, I believe that was in 2017 or 2018. So very, very new industry, very new department, it's it's very new. <laughs> Cutting edge. I love that. That's great. Yeah. It's all about pushing, you know, into the new frontier and, and hearing what folks are saying, where the needs are. So so what does your job look like? Are you holding classes and seminars? Are you meeting one to one with people? What's what's your job? So for the university, I have done several lectures about what it's like to work with an intimacy director, boundaries. I've talked about a consent forward artist and how to kind of move forward with your acting career. 
and knowing exactly what you want. So that's what I'm doing for the university, as well as working as the intimacy director on their season. So we just wrapped Tiny Beautiful Things this past weekend. And that show doesn't have any physical intimacy, but the show itself has abuse, um, like family abuse, uh, conversations about suicide, drug use, loss, some very, very difficult topics for 18 and 19 year olds. And I was there to talk them through how that feels as an actor to say these words, how to connect to the person's story, but also be able to disassociate and go home after talking about this every night in rehearsal. So we kind of talked about self-care practices, how to separate work, art, and you, the individual, from all those things together. And so I show up in rehearsals. I have one-on-ones with the actors and kind of just am there as a support system throughout the whole rehearsal process. I'm also currently intimacy directing a off-Broadway show that is open right now. And I once the show opens, I'm in contact with everyone and I check in, but my job is really during the rehearsal process and continually checking in and making sure everyone feels comfortable, feels confident about the choreography, the work that they're doing. And I have resources if they feel emotionally overwhelmed, that kind of thing. It's amazing how many parallels there are to working in a trauma-informed care environment uh, in in a school program. And you brought up a great point because I think some people hear the word intimacy and they go right to the physical. But Mm -hmm. it's not just the physical. It is the emotional and the psychological and all that that can take a toll on somebody. And recognizing that that is valid. It is valid to have discomfort and to talk about it and want to need to change. And I loved the point that you made about how you need to separate. This is your work and your art. And at the end of the day, you need to be able to walk away from it. And that's such an important thing, especially right now, again, in the education world, because, you know, we're working with kids who have now gone through a pandemic. You know, they were home for a very long time. They have may have lost Uh, people. And obviously trauma-informed care existed before that, but I think we're seeing a lot more of the repercussions from it right now. And it can be very much draining on the classroom teacher as they're helping students unpack this. And that is a large reason why people are are leaving the teaching community yeah. because they are not able to separate that kind of work from home, not able to leave it there. And working on those self-care practices is so, so important. So how do you, so I guess this is my second question, how do you maintain a work-life balance kind of living in the zone that you do? You're constantly thinking about others. You are have your hands in multiple projects. How do you maintain a work-life balance? I think for me, I've had to learn during this process I that I, I am a very empathetic person and I feel people's feelings. The benefit of that is that people feel like they can talk to me very easily and they feel that it's easy to share what's going on in their life and very personal details. So what I've learned about myself is that I can take all of this on. I can hear everyone's 
frustration, the venting, the concerns, the worries, the their past, if they want to share that. But I have to work on putting that somewhere. And that has been through journaling, through fully shutting off and not being entirely available, choosing a cutoff time in the evening to be done. And yoga, I think I said that, meditation. I really love gratitude, journaling, coming back to like a sense of self and working on the inner work and doing the inner work so then I can be 100% present for others. And that's that's time. (laughs) That takes time and it takes a real commitment. It takes a dedication to that process and kind of being true to you and knowing that continuing on this is going to be your self-care to enable you to help others. Can you talk a little bit more about what gratitude journaling looks like? I love gratitude journaling. So a lot of times if you're feeling discouraged or in really difficult situations of loss or heartbreak or depression, writing down three things that you're thankful for a day is so helpful. And it can be so simple. Like I'm happy that I woke up today. <laughs> like I'm happy that it's sunny outside, very small things. But what it does is it sets a, it starts your day off in gratitude, in a place of gratitude. And then you will find yourself after only a few days of doing this, looking for things to be grateful for. And you'll be amazed because with that kind of perspective of the world, you start to feel really grateful and gratitude can inspire you. It can feel like love in a way to yourself, like self-love of what you have to be thankful for. And it also helps, I think, in a consumeristic world that we live in (laughs) to realize that we have a lot of the things that we already need and we can be thankful for that. Yeah. And that's a good point with gratitude journaling. You don't want, or not that you don't want to, maybe you're perfectly content with it, but most people find that the bird tweeting outside of my window isn't the same thing they want to write for five or 10 days in a row. You you do start looking because you've committed to this process. You start saying, okay, well, what else is kind of awesome today? What else? Mm -hmm. Now, just personal question. Do you go back and read what you wrote or is it just kind of shut? I do. Yeah, I do. I I like to look back. I don't, now I'm doing one where I don't have to do it every day. And what I love about that is where, where was I in time when I decided to gratitude journal that day? Was it because I had a lot of things to be thankful for, or was it because I needed to be reminded of things to be thankful for? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's awesome. I love, I'm, I'm a huge fan of gratitude journaling. So when you said that, I I perked right up. (laughs) So maybe you touched on this a little bit, but I'm, I am very curious to know, how did you get to exactly where you are today? Cause you were acting like, was there an event? Was there some that you're comfortable talking about? Was there, how did you say, I am going to go into intimacy coordination? I know this is a need. What was your inspiration to pursue this path? I, I act, I have acted a ton and I would say that I have been very lucky that I was never really put in difficult situations or even dangerous situations. I know my, I have been in situations where I let my boundaries be pushed and I didn't exactly feel like I had a voice. My first kiss was a stage kiss 
I actually just realized that the other day when I was talking to a student, but my first kiss was a stage kiss. And I would have really loved someone to talk to about that Absolutely. in high school. Yeah. yeah. And the person that I had my stage kiss with was actually someone I had a crush on. So there was so much going on oh. in that moment. <laughs> and, you know, just to have someone to be like, you know, my first kiss is going to be on stage and all that stuff would have been really nice to kind of talk through that with. And then when I transitioned, I transitioned into writing my own content and creating my own work out of a necessity for lack of roles that I wanted to play. So I kept getting the dumb blonde, the girl next door, these very two-dimensional characters that I wasn't interested in being. So as I was creating my own content, I also realized that when people worked on projects that I was working on, they felt safe. They would say that, that it felt different than any other set that they had been a part of. And I didn't truly understand why until I started taking more of these classes. And I felt like I was lucky to know some of the information already. And I had already been doing some of these things with actors that I've worked with. And then this was like the icing on the cake to kind of like put it all together for me with all of my talents. I come from a dance background. So I have choreography. I have worked on sets. I've worked with actors. I've been an actor. So I know what that feels like. I know how to communicate with actors. I know how to communicate with directors because I'm also a director. And it really, really helps to have all the experiences that I've had. And so many people say like they don't know how they got to the job they got to today, but when they got there, it all made sense. And it does kind of feel like all of my jobs have led up to me being an intimacy director and choreographer. That makes total sense. And I can relate very much to, I don't know how I got here, but <laughs> if I look back, I go, oh yeah, all right. Well, that led to this and that led to, okay, no, it makes sense now. It makes sense. But when you land where you, where you need to be, where you should be, where it feels really good to be, it mm -hmm. feels amazing. So I'm happy that you've found that part of your path. Yeah. And it's really nice too, because the projects that I'm working on have all felt that my presence was valuable and needed. And it was kind of a collective sigh of relief. I'm like, oh, this is what we needed. And we didn't know we needed this. So that's been really exciting. It's so interesting to me because you're talking about your first kiss being on stage, being a stage kiss. And because I, I live and I have my own toddler and I live in the education world, uh, I keep going to the movie Sing 2. Have you watched that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the main character elephant there has to have her first kiss as a stage kiss and what that looks like and the emotions she goes through. And I'm going, I was like, oh, why, why didn't she have an intimacy coordinator? <laughs> you know, I'm bringing yeah. it, I'm bringing it back to a children's movie, but you know, I felt for her in that children's movie. And I think that even shows, you know, how that, that dialogue is kind of starting to change because she was supported and that kind of thing. But, you know, people are being aware of the actor's process and the, the situations we're finding ourselves in as humans. And uh, I don't know, I think it's it's just so funny how your story has brought me back to <laughs> a, a children's movie. 
Yeah. So how do you personally live inspired? I, as an artist, I think it's a gift to learn how to find inspiration because it is an act. You have to go in search of inspiration to be inspired. So for me, I love to see live performances. I watch a lot of film and television. A good story deeply inspires me as an artist, as a storyteller, just in life. I, when I see a really good movie or show or play, I will think about it for weeks after, just kind of mulling it over, moments come to me. I also love art. I think going to museums, I live in New York City, so there's tons of opportunity to see art and live performance. You see jazz on the streets in New York. I remember walking through Central Park and literally seeing like five different jazz bands in the park. And then the last thing I'll say too, for inspiration for me, and the older I've got, the more I've realized nature. Getting back into nature, hands in dirt in nature, like gardening or climbing or like getting into dirt <laughs> and connecting back to the earth and nature and the fresh air is so important. I can relate to that. It's not something that was a large part of my childhood, the nature and outdoors, and I value it more and more each year. And I think the more in tune I become with nature and kind of more that nature is giving back. I pet a random bird the other day, you know, not at a zoo, just on my front porch. And I was just sitting there and hanging out and there's this little bird. Okay. It's got a feather kind of stuck by its eye. I was like, are you hurt? What's going on? And it let me brush the feather out of its eye. And I was like, okay, okay. My nature, my nature uh, need is fulfilled for probably a week now because I pet a random bird. But uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I am down in Charleston, South Carolina. And so I grew up in New York. You know, I had four seasons, not the city, um, but I had four seasons and I, I've been to Central Park. And my inspiration in Central Park is the statues and the waffle guy. The guy, yes. yeah, they smell so good. The little waffle stand. Oh, so good. God, so dangerously delicious. So I, I can relate to your Central Park love. Uh, but now I'm embracing beach life for the first time. And, you know, being adjacent to the ocean and how different that is and low tide smell, <laughs> you know, and just things I had never experienced being inland before. And, uh, you know, we had a hurricane come through here not that long ago and just how much the nature around us changed during that, you know, what came up out of the ocean after that event, that kind of thing. So it's it's really interesting taking the time to embrace nature and see see how it's evolving. Yeah. We have a few more minutes here. Uh, let's talk about, well, actually, first I have a question and I don't want to forget. You mentioned a mental health first aid training. Mm -hmm. Who was that through? You were speaking very highly of it. Thank you. I am such a fan of them and I will pull it up right now. Perfect. Um, it's through Mental Health First Aid USA. Okay. And I was able to do their training for free. Mm -hmm. You can look online and they have some of them are like sponsored free trainings and then some you can pay for. And they also have a specific training for minors or, you know, children versus kind of like middle school, high school age, and then also adults. Yeah. Wow. I will definitely be checking that out. It's really fantastic. Another one that I really love is the Transgender Training Institute. They have a ton of really informative classes and workshops all online about gender inclusion, bystander intervention, 
uh, allyship and how to be a true ally. Really great stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely be linking both of those uh, along with the show because those are great resources for sure. So how about uh, one book and one movie recommendation as the big media consumer that you are? I'm so curious to hear what you'd recommend. And if you have to narrow it down to three of each, I get it. (laughs) Okay, well, book wise, I'm going to say Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. I just intimacy directed that at Fairfield University, but the book itself is a lesson on empathy. I think it's so beautiful. So many different people write to Sugar, which is Cheryl Strayed, we find out later, and ask her for anonymous advice. And her advice is really beautiful and very vulnerable and honest and harsh. It's like all the things. So that is my favorite book. Movie, it's really hard for me to pick an all-time favorite movie. But what I will say for right now, this time of the month, October, I love Practical Magic. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah. that's a good one. Nice recommendation and very seasonably appropriate. Yes, <laughs> I love the line where she says there's a little witch in all of us. And I agree. I <laughs> could not agree more. <laughs> Find me on a Monday morning, guys. <laughs> yeah, great. Great recommendation. And I have not read Tiny Beautiful Things, but I will pick up a copy that sounds very, very, very good. Or I'll see if it's on an audiobook because I bet that would be, from what I understand of it, a, a very interesting listen as well. Yeah. And what's beautiful about that book is that you can kind of read, you could read it very slowly, just, you know, one person's letter in and then her response. Or you can kind of like, I don't know. It's a quick read, but also deep yeah deep. it can be as fast as you want it to I love books like that you know those ones that you can set aside for a week as I said I have a toddler so uh you know sometimes you need to forget about it for a month and then come back to it um those those books are important to my lifestyle right now <laughs> yeah. I would also include Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert I think that book is a really good a conversation about what it's like to be an artist, how inspiration finds you, how ideas come to you, creativity, and also what happens when your body or your inner spirit is trying to create something and you are preventing that from happening and how our body can just literally show us what we need to be doing in life. If we listen, if we listen, the answers are there, right? Yeah. I love that. I will also check out that book. That's one of my favorite reasons of doing these shows is how do I stock my library? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I bet you've got great inspiration. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so very, very, very much. Uh, my my book budget is through the roof. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. I'll never run out of things to read. That's for sure. And I, I came to the point in my life and my teaching career that I had so many children's books. It was starting to maybe look weird. You know, I broke the the many thousand category and that was before I even had a child. And so I was just like, you know, either I'm a children's library or maybe I should read a grown up book, you know, for the first time in a while. (laughs) Or maybe you could be a children's book editor. Uh, It's on the list. Children's books. It's on the list for sure. I that that would be a dream job of mine. I love I love that idea. So we're at 
our end of our time together. So I wanted to make sure you had your self-promotion time. And this is tell us where we can find you on social media, how we can support you. If you have a message you want to put out in the world, this is your time. So go ahead. Well, thanks so much. It's been such an honor chatting with you today. You can find me on Instagram. That's like my primary social media outlet. And I'm at J-M-E-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. I am intimacy directing a show off Broadway right now, which closes very soon. So you might miss it, but I always post whatever projects I'm working on. I have two short films that, two short films and a feature film that will all be coming out next year that I intimacy directed or intimacy choreographed on. And I have a newsletter. So if you're interested in following along on the journey, you can follow my newsletter. And as far as what to say to the masses, I think that if you can spread the word about what intimacy coordinators and intimacy directors are doing or support an intimacy coordinator or director whenever you meet one. I think it's an emerging industry and it's new. And sometimes there can be pushback because it is new and it is a different way of doing things. It's a safer way of doing things, but we could use all the support from allies that we can get. Absolutely. And and what, what a beautiful way to spend your time. Is that newsletter available through your Instagram? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to uh, getting on on there and checking out all that you have. I know I'm on on one account, but we'll make sure I'm on on all three IGs. <laughs> I This has been truly inspirational for me today. I love learning about kind of this behind the scenes and this new direction for safety and, and health in all aspects that our, our actors and actresses are being, you know, able to start having it's so so important as we continue to create art and we deal with the tough topics um and you know as an educator i appreciate so much of what you're doing and creating that safe space and allowing for the media that so many people learn from to continue to be created so thank you so much for all that you do and these boundaries that you are kind of you know redefining uh and i've loved having you on today thank you so much Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have laughed, learned, and been inspired in our time together. We'd love to hear what you thought about this week's show, so why not find and follow us on social media? You can find us by the handle at Online and Inspired on Instagram and Facebook. And you can check out the great work our teleteachers team is doing under their handle at T-E-L-E Teachers. Prefer to find a website? We've got that covered too www.onlineandinspired.com where you can find our swag shop and all the episodes that came before this one. Be sure to check out our parent company, Teleteachers Inc. at www.teleteachers.com to see how we can help you find the providers, data tracking systems, training, and more that your school needs to provide the best special education services possible. Until next week, thank you for listening and keep on living inspired. Inspired.